Put a little love in your podcast. Put, put does it just repeat? Put a little love in your podcast. Put a little podcast in your heart. Would that be better? Uh, hi. Build a little birdhouse in your soul. <laughs> Blue canary in the alley by the light switch. In we watched heart. Scrooge for the podcast. That's not funny. It's not. <clears throat> we watched Scrooge for the podcast. Uh, hi, my name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Ally McMurray. And this is a very special episode of Nerd 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 Nerds Alert. Nerd Nerds Alert. Yeah, sure. Irma Gerd. <laughs> no, end, no. <laughs> end of joke. <laughs> so, you might be wondering. Hey, it's um June. First of all, <laughs> you might be wondering about that sound. Hey, this is bad audio. And we're just going to let you... I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to cut that out of the podcast. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm in charge this it's week. A, it's a squeak... I have a very squeaky chair in my room. And there's just... It's there's still nothing not I can, good. There's it's nothing still not I can do about that. So, you might be wondering, why uh, did Jackson and Adeline choose to watch Scrooged on <laughs> June 22nd? To 2020. That's not the date. It's, it's not the 22nd. It's the 20th, because yesterday was June Okay, June so teen. tomorrow, June 20th, when this comes out. No, today's the 20th. Tomorrow's the 21st. Tomorrow's the 21st. On this, the, the summer solstice, <laughs> why we are releasing an episode on Richard Donner's Scrooged. Let me tell you why. This is the start of an exciting new series called... Rando. Take it away, Adeline. What's Ran- it called? Rando picks. Ran- <laughs> uh, Randy's pick. There. Oh, that's good. This is one of our special Randy's Ran- pick episodes. Randy's choice. Randy's choice. <laughs> like Sophie's choice. <laughs> yeah, I like Randy's choice. <laughs> uh, but this is a new series of episodes once a month, in an effort to sort of diversify our film portfolio. Uh, we're going to have a random movie generator pick what movie we watch instead of picking for ourselves. Because when we pick for ourselves, we tend to watch the same kind of movie a well, lot. Well, just the movies that we like, which right. is good, but... <laughs> Sometimes you just need to shake it up. So this week, Randy chose Scrooge <laughs> for us, <laughs> which I think is just the perfect way to kick off this series. Yeah, it's Christmas in July. It's not Christmas... <laughs> It's not July. When I was when I was going through the the system that we were using to pick the random movies before we like were really sitting down with it, the first time I clicked on it, the thing that came up was Alien versus Predator, and I was like, oh man, it's too early, it's too early. We should have done Alien versus Predator. Done <laughs> but today we did Scrooge. This is the classic, nineteen eighty nine, Bill Murray Ebenezer Scrooge Christmas Carol adaptation. Directed by Danny Richard Elfman. No. Take this seriously, please, Adelaide. Okay. <laughs> Directed by Richard Donner, director of Superman and the Goonies and Danny Elfman. And I'm gonna sound like a s- stupid because 
Richard Donner directed hundreds of classic movies. Oh, look at, look at Wikipedia coming out. Mm. Richard Donner. I know he did the Superman. All of the Superman? Uh, well, the first two Superman. Um, and he also... Oh, he's the Lethal Weapons. He did all the Lethal Weapons. He's the one with the Lethal Weapons. Yeah, and Lady Hawk. Oh, we, gotta we do should Lady watch Hawk. Lady Hawk. <laughs> we gotta get Mom and Keisha on the podcast <laughs> we'll talk about Lady for Lady Hawk. Hawk. One time, uh, our friend Keisha, friend of the podcast, Keisha Rhodes, just made, like, sep- didn't even talk to us, just made plans with our mom to watch <laughs> Lady, Lady Hawk, Hawk at our house. <laughs> uh, Lady Hawk, the movie where Matthew Broderick turns into a... No, Matthew Broderick turns into a wolf. Yeah. And his girlfriend turns into a hawk. But she turns into a hawk during the day. Right. And he turns into a dog at night. At night, so they can never be together. But as far as I know, the plot of the movie is not about them. It's about an outsider just kind of, like, looking at them. Is that who Matthew... No, wait, does Matthew Broderick not turn into a... Is he just a third party? Is he the third party? Because what I remember of the movie is that they don't fix anything. (laughs) They just kind of go, look at that. Isn't that weird? Right. Matthew Broderick, Rutger Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Alfred Molina. Wow, that's a stacked cast. This cast is stacked. We should have done Lady Hawk. Why does Lady Hawk have the weirdest cover of all time? <laughs> yeah, just it looks at the like Silence of the Lambs. It's like it's Michelle Pfeiffer's like weirdly half illustrated face. Yeah, it looks like something you would do in Photoshop. Yeah. And the font is very 80s. Yeah. Anyway, Lady Hawk, good flick. Uh, the director of Lady Hawk later went on to produce Scrooge. Scrooge, the film we're talking about today, a Christmas classic. So, a Christmas movie that we watch maybe every three years. Yeah. <laughs> One out of every three years, it happens to be on Netflix, and we say, "Oh, hey." And we're like, "Oh, I love Scrooge." Like, that movie's pretty good. We could go for Scrooged. Hold on, super quick, I'm going to open my LaCroix and you're not going to make fun of me on mic. I'm definitely going to edit out a podcast. <laughs> I'm washing your hair. I'm <laughs> do, you want, do, you, do you want a LaCroix? I have a LaCroix right here for you. We have lime and peach. <laughs> do you want a Anyway. <laughs> this LaCroix is dirt flavored. What's the what's the worst flavor of LaCroix <laughs> you could you could come up with? I, it's still lime. If you say you got hired, the LaCroix folks approach you and they're like, Adeline, we want you to be our new flavor technician. Yeah, and I just But secretly you wanted to sabotage them and run them out of business. What, what flavor of LaCroix would you produce? Bear in mind Pomplamoose is already a flavor. What the it's pomplamoose. It's grapefruit. Oh, okay. Um, like, this is a stupid question. Shit flavored? Like, what? <laughs> what do you want from me? Chocolate milk flavored? I think, like, sausage flavor. Or, like, strawberry milk flavored, like the vape. No, I would want that. <laughs> you would want milk flavored LaCroix? No, I drank that melon drink soda at Keisha's house, milk-ish. and that was good. Yeah, milk is good. Recently, we were introduced to a Korean cream soda called, called milk and it was pretty good. Which is the... I don't know what it is about milkis that is just... Well, because it's like viscous. It's like a foul word. It like makes me feel... Milkis. Milkis. It's like mucus and viscous. <laughs> and milk. And milk. 
Which is not a good mouth sound. Yeah, and like, if you're like, oh, I want to hang out with my friends, I'm going to grab for a soft drink, like, milk. It's not the not the not flavor the profile thing. I'm looking for. <laughs> anyway. Um, Scrooge. Yes. Your thoughts? <laughs> a good, good movie. Uh, so this, okay, so this is a an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I almost said A Christmas Story, not that. A <laughs> Christmas Carol. Uh, in Did which... they sing A Christmas Carol originally? What are you talking about? Why is it called A Christmas Carol? Uh, it's because it was the 1800s and we weren't like into like dramaticness yet. It was just like, this is A Story About Christmas by Charles Dickens. Everyone was like, holy shit, no way. And, like, that's all you had to do when you were titling a book. Well, but it's A Christmas Carol, but A Carol is a, is a song, right? I think he's just being liberal. It's, like, a story. He's being a dirty liberal. He's, he's being liberal with the use of the word Carol. Oh, uh, just as a story. All right. Yeah. I'll accept it. Because it's, like, back in the olden times, it was just, like, either the name of a character or just, like, an exciting tale. That's fair. Like... <laughs> I guess, I don't know, I guess around that time you had, like, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That's a pretty good title. So that's a good title. But, like, I'm thinking... Peter Pan. You know what's cool about, like, comic books? Finn. Comic books in the 60s? Yeah. Like, in the Stan Lee Marvel days, everything was just, like, Tales to Astonish! Really exciting comic book! Spider-Man does a flip! <laughs> no, but it wasn't even that. There was never a name of a character in it. It yeah. was just, like, Strange Tales weird stories and you're like i'll pick this up every month <laughs> oh you got me i'm here for the strange tales so bill murray is the ebenezer scrooge everybody's lovable asshole <laughs> i wouldn't describe him as my asshole but <laughs> i don't think bill murray you is wouldn't... everybody's asshole <laughs> you wouldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> about bill murray is that like he exclusively plays characters who are assholes who are right. jerks who are like are mean to everyone around them but for some reason bill murray does not have that reputation right of as being a person a jerk. he needs a reputation of being very nice and being very chill i just think it's funny like, he, he does have a reputation though of being difficult to work with because he's not good at keeping his opinions to himself. That sounds right. That sounds uh, right. <laughs> because so, like, leading up to this movie, Ghostbusters was four years earlier. Mm -hmm. And apparently he just had, like, a horrible time on that movie. Yeah. And he basically just was like, okay, like, I need to just take a break. So yeah. he wasn't in a movie for four years. Uh, and then this was, like, his big comeback. Like... We all, it's so weird because Bill Murray had Ghostbusters, which is like this career defining performance. Like overnight, he was a movie star, right? Yeah. And then he just made the decision not to capitalize on it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Until four years later when Scrooge comes out and it's like, you guys still remember Bill Murray, right? And, <laughs> and we like, did because it's and, Bill Murray. Exactly, and that's the thing. He was good enough in Ghostbusters that people did remember him. And yeah. they did show up for Scrooge four years later. Was Bill, was Ghostbusters his like breakout movie or was he in stuff before that? I mean he was in stuff he was on Saturday Night Live and stuff, but yeah. like Ghostbusters was his like movie star performance. Gotcha. Where he was like, he is a household name now. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Um so and I am fascinated by this movie also, just in terms of the Bill Murray arc. Mm -hmm. Because in a lot of ways, this is totally like a proto-Groundhog Day. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And when I was doing a little bit of research on just like the production cycle of this movie, 
I saw a lot of stuff about how uh, Richard Donner was constantly trying to get Bill Murray to, like, be bigger and sillier and goofier and funnier. And Bill Murray kept saying, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like, I want to let this thing have a sense of pathos to it. Like, I don't want to be making jokes 100% of the time. Like, I want to let this weigh on me sometimes. Yeah. But he basically just, like, never won that argument. Because in this movie, he's, like, basically being a huge asshole in a huge, ridiculous, jokey way. Like, all the way up until the end. Yeah. Um... And, like, with the exception being when he finds that dead homeless guy. Yeah. That's the one moment where they kind of let him have a moment. Yeah. Um, But from what I understand is that, like, Groundhog Day, he had a lot of the same problems with, where Harold Ramis kept trying to, like, give him more jokes. And he was like, no. Yeah. And he was, like, winning that argument more often (laughs) in Groundhog Day than he was in Scrooge. Well, because, like, the biggest comparisons are the two homeless scenes in those two movies. Right. This movie, like, you have, because his... Milk toast girlfriend works for the homeless shelter, and so he like has like a little conversation with one, and then later in the film he finds in in the in the Christmas present he finds him like frozen to death in like a sewer, and right. it's like oh you could have helped that guy but you didn't, right. he's dead. No, he just died. Yeah, and it's like it's he's like got icicles hanging off. Yeah, of his and face. It's, it's a poignant idea, <laughs> but in execution it's a little silly, and yeah. then I feel like he doesn't get to play off of the emotion of it as much. Yeah, and then in Groundhog Day you have that scene where there's like the homeless man that asks him for money and he like doesn't give it to him, and he go like goes through the same day over and over again, like helping this homeless man to like different degrees. And, like, the time when he, like, really, really helps him out, like, gets some food, gets some clothes, he still dies of a heart attack, like, right. every single time. Yeah. He just dies of old age every single time. It's right. Like, ooh, that makes me fucking cry <laughs> yeah. every time. Man, Groundhog Day rules. Groundhog Day is really good. Groundhog Day is much better than Scrooge Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's kind of the same plot structure. It really is. It's all, Asshole it's... guy... It has to stop being an asshole. Asshole guy who works in television. Who works in television has to stop being an asshole. Mm -hmm. So we're going to use magic to make him (laughs) stop being an asshole. Right. (laughs) That's a good way to describe it. Um, But yeah, and like, I think it's, there is, basically I, I am really on board with this movie, like up until the last like 10 minutes. Because I feel like there's not any meaningful progression of his character no. until the end when he just is cool again. And the way that people react to his weird manic expression of him being like, I'm nice now yeah. is everyone's like, no way he's nice now. Like yeah. everyone's like, hooray, he's nice now. And you're like, okay, I well, guess. And he also has that speech that he gives. I feel like it's just Bill Murray, like on the spot coming up with the speech, right? which is fine, but it, I would like it to be more polished. So it has more <laughs> of an oomph to it. Right. Cause it really just feels like a crazy man going off on like what he's experiencing, yeah. which is fine. But that shouldn't be the last scene of the movie. Right. We should have like one more scene where we do get that like actual catharsis. Right. Well, and I think that if it were me, the things I would change... First of all, I think the most important thing is I want him to have more development in the interim. Because he kind of never stops being an asshole, like, right up until that instant when he isn't anymore. And, you know, I don't... What I do like, it feels really nice in in the moment... That he's, like, still not really fixed by the time the third ghost shows up. Yeah. It, like, I like that it feels really genuine. And he, like, the way he reacts to the other ones 
feels really true to his character, you know? Yeah. And I like the idea of, like, what I would do is I would have him sort of still be an asshole and then he goes through the Ghost of Christmas future. And then maybe he has, like, a, like, a, he has, like, that big speech at the end. But he's just like, okay, you know what? Sure, fine, whatever, fuck it. I'm nice now. Yeah. If you guys want me to be nice, I'll be nice, whatever. And everyone's kind of like, okay, that was kind of... You didn't get you it. You kind of didn't really get it. Yeah. And then, like, maybe there's, like, an extra an extra couple of scenes that, like, make up the actual end of the movie where, like, something regular and benign in his yeah. real life sort of push him to actually feel the 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 effect of like well, what he's learned you know what he's experienced we need a time of him being nice that's not on national television you know mm-hmm. like because we've been following grace and her family and all that stuff because he we've got the tiny tim that is calvin right and like so we've been following them but he kind of doesn't do anything for them like <laughs> right, calvin yeah. just speaks because he wants to say the god blesses everyone line like <laughs> right. he just wants to do that so he does it but like What's his name? John? Jack? Hank? I don't remember. I think it's Bill Hank. Murray. Bill Murray. No, it was Frank, because it was Frank. Francis on the gravestone. That's right, right, that's right. Yeah, and Frank is just, like, kind of there when that happens. Like, he doesn't really help anybody. Right. He, has, he doesn't do anything good. Like, imagine... Imagine if you're watching CBS one night, and you're watching, like, some live newscast... And then, like, Harvey Weinstein came on screen and was just like, I'm nice now. I'm nice now. I realized I, like, I I was not so good for a while there. Yeah. But I learned something today. I had a really crazy day and I just want everybody to know it's all good in this hood yeah, now. Yeah, we would all just be like, fuck you. No, Harvey, that's not how this works. That's not how you get to do that. And, like, and I think what might be cool is, like, you know... He <laughs> sort of, and it sort of appeals to like this guy's ego—the fact that everybody's glued to the TV to find out that he's nice now. Yeah, I think more a more nice thing would be like he has this whole change of heart and he's gonna start doing the right thing and he's gonna care about his employees and blah blah blah. But like people don't really care that much. Yeah, because he's like just a guy, and it's like oh that's nice. Yeah, like people aren't like oh yes. He's nice now? That's incredible. Yeah. Like, like, have to sort of experience, like, changing, but, like, realizing that, like, everybody's not going to kiss his ass because he's nice now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think I have a problem. As cool as the Ghost of Future is with the television face and stuff like that, like, that's dope as hell. That was an awesome decision. But I, I think the future is too much of a caricature to really have any right yeah to it. Like... Calvin's in an insane asylum, and it's like well, that <laughs> yeah, that's feels so weird. That feels like it's got a lot of. Mm. And there's like this, there's this cool practical effect that they do, where he's like going down this weird. For some reason, they can't just let it be like ten years in the future, where it's like mostly the same, but maybe we have video chatting now or, yeah, something. or something. Like they, he goes into the future, and suddenly he's in this hospital. With, like, triangular hallways. Yeah. And, like, like everything's, like, future. slanted. But it's kind of cool they do this effect where it's, like, in reality the hallway's slanted, but you're seeing a flat floor underneath him. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. the way he walks is kind of weird, and he's kind of wobbling around. That's a just a cool effect. But still, yeah. it's like, this what? This is supposed to be, like, yeah. seven years in the future? Well, <laughs> What's going on? Well, you can have, on? like, this skewed effect, because it is the future, so I'm going to be, like, weird and foreign, and, like, right. that, playing with, like, cool camera effects and angles and, like, distorting the image, I think yeah. would be really cool. 
but why is Grace dressed like the Virgin Mary visiting her son <laughs> right. in, a, like, literally, like, a padded cell? Yeah. <laughs> and then why is Claire uh, from, uh, from... What's My Fair Lady? My Fair Lady. <laughs> She's at the racetrack. Having ragamuffins be sent away. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just too much. And, and what I love about when he sees him, it's not he sees his grave, he sees, like, his cremation, which is definitely more visceral. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like, oh, I don't want to die. It just seems like, I really don't want to be cremated. <laughs> it's right, like, yeah. well, you know, you can, I, I guess, have that conversation before you die if you don't want to be cremated. Right. Well, yeah, and that's why I think, like, because that's the, the big, like, you know, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, on the Christmas Carol. Yeah. Is he sees his grave and he sees that everyone's glad that he's dead. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, like, this, yeah. something's gotta go differently than this. But yeah. in this one, it really just plays more like, oh, if you don't get nicer, you're gonna die, like, soon, like, rather than, like, live, you know. It seems like there's the consequence... Yeah. In this movie, it seems like the consequence is that he is going to die, not that when he dies, yeah. no one will care. Because like, it feels his, like the cause and effect are backwards. Because his brother and his sister-in-law specifically care, which right. is what's weird. Yeah. And it's like, what they, there's, yeah, the weird, the kind of, like, message of this is that isn't, it's kind of like bad Christian theology, where it's not... Be good because you should be good. It's be good because if you're not good, then you go to hell. Right, like, that's yeah. what it kind of feels like. And it's right. like, that's not, that's not, you've got to live good because you want life to be good and you want people to care about you. Right. Not because you'll go to hell if you're bad, you right. know? Yeah. And so, okay, just because this is a movie that people probably haven't, I mean, I'm sure many people have seen, but just in case. It's not as high profile a movie as we usually cover. I mean, it's just a Christmas Carol, but yeah. it's the 80s. <laughs> um, we've got Bill Murray, who's like this, like, asshole television executive, who's just like this caricature of a mean boss. Yeah. Um, and he's constantly, and he's Bill Murray, so he plays it hilariously. Yeah. Um, there's that line right at the very beginning where they, like, show him the trailer that they, they put together for this, like, live show. And it's just like, join us for a special presentation or whatever. And Bill Murray's just like, Oh my god, I'm going to have to kill every one of you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. That yeah. gets me so good. Um, and there's, uh, and the, the Bob Cratchit of the story is played by Alfrey Woodard, who I did not know had a career before, like, five years ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's, like, the woman who tells Tony Stark to go fuck himself in Civil War. Oh, and she yeah. was also in, uh... The Luke Cage series is Black Mariah. Does she tell a white guy to go fuck himself in that too? Plenty of times, oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, good. Um, she's a bad guy though. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was Aunt Josephine in the in the series of unfortunate events series. She's been this like journeyman TV actress. That's like sort of that's sort of what I know her as. Yeah, she's just like in something sometimes. Yeah, and I never knew that she like had a career before. Like recently, but apparently she was around in 1989 in like a lead role in a Richard Donner movie, and I just never, it never was on my radar. Never connected it. Yeah. Um, but so it's, yeah, it's this instead of just like a, a little ragamuffin, yeah. <laughs> like Pop Cratchit's supposed to be as a street urchin, uh, 
I mean, not he's not a street urchin, but he's, he's an adult man. He's like a he's like a but he's like a caricature of a poor person yeah, with like smudges like, on his cheeks. And, yeah, and then the hat and yeah. the scarf and <laughs> the fingerless gloves. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh, I work hard and I've got all my friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this, I think it's interesting that like how much this movie holds up as a as a social commentary in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Except for the last ten minutes, like I said. The last ten minutes. <laughs> but it's like, the reality of it is, is that the the immorality of his, like, fucked up CEO billionaire-ness mm-hmm. is, like, the way that he treats, like, all of his employees. How all of his employees are underpaid and have a substandard standard of living yeah and like especially i think it's smart to highlight a black family a black woman especially because it's like acknowledging a reality that like these are the people that this kind of behavior hurts the most Mm -hmm. you know um and it's sort of and i don't think that the movie is like explicitly saying that but i just think it's a it's a conscientious yeah sort of decision um, it's cool that you can you can have a commentary without saying anything. Right, and that's yeah. That's cool. Um, the, uh, but yeah, so basically, you know, and it's so, okay. So there's this weird thing where it's like, oh, the TV station is putting on this like live production of A Christmas Carol. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. Yeah. And it's like kind of unclear whether like Bill Murray understands that he's being Christmas Caroled or not. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't really acknowledge the fact that Clearly, he is aware of the story of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. But he also seems surprised by all of the events unfolding around yeah. him. So it's like, I don't know. But it's also not, like, explicitly... Like, you could kind of read it either way, I guess. Yeah. It's a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's like... The whole thing is, like, he's... He's just... he. It, it is the story of A Christmas Carol. It really is. Like, Bob Cratchit is Alfred Woodard, who's, like, his secretary that he's mean to. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, debating on whether he should give Christmas bonuses to people. And he's always like, no, I'm not gonna. Not gonna do it. I'm gonna give him towels instead. And yeah. people get towels. Um, and, like, the the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And he has, like, the ex-girlfriend that he regrets Breaking, up, breaking with. up with and it really fucked him up but and he's he like a... weirdly still dating her even though he hasn't talked to her in like <laughs> right. seven years they or have whatever a, a weird dynamic it, she's like the total 80s love interest who's just like she's got long brown hair she's like cute and she's like smiley and that's right. like all she never stops smiling <laughs> right. that's all she does yeah and she just only seems to just like behave yeah. In, in a manner that benefits the the end goal that we're trying to get to, yeah. you know. And um, I, I looked, but the scene where they break up is the weirdest scene because you have the ghost of Christmas past and present Frank, like being like, "Oh, past Frank, you're such an idiot. You're a moron. You're an asshole for like letting her get away just for your TV career." Right. And like, I understand that line of thinking, but the way that the scene plays is that you see Frank like working his ass off on the stupid kids TV show. And then he gets invited to dinner with the boss, and he's like, oh, that's this is great for me. And I was like, hey, we're gonna go have dinner with the boss. And she's like, oh, we have plans with friends. And he's like, oh, well, we can have friends, we can have dinner with our friends another time. Right. And she's like, but it's Christmas Eve. And he's like, well, yeah, but this is really important to me. And she's like, oh, it's important to you. We shouldn't break up. And I'm like, this doesn't seem 
as one-sided as the movie wants me to think of it. Like, well, it seemed like a really reasonable conversation, yeah. and the movie just wants me to think that Frank is an asshole. <laughs> right. Well, honestly, I th- the way that I experienced it mm-hmm. was more like that it speaks to a problem they've already been having. Yeah. Right? This isn't like a singular event where it's like, you said no to this, so therefore, yeah. we must break up. It's more just... like, he's blown me off for things like this consistently, and he's constantly more interested in this like weird industry and making money than he is in me. So this particular thing on Christmas Eve, I'm, I'm yeah. exhausted by this. But yeah, and like honestly, I think all of the past stuff with the two of them works really well mm-hmm. because it feels like a real relationship that like really got like slowly broken apart by like his thirst for money yeah um but i think all the present stuff with the two of them is weird yeah because the way first of all there's no mention of her at all until bob cratchit shows up not bob cratchit uh jacob marley yeah he's not named jacob marley but it's whatever uh, but jacob marley shows up it's like you're gonna be visited by three goats and he's like oh no what the fuck and he just like calls his ex-girlfriend it's like we need to talk right now i'm really freaked out the Ghost calls her (laughs) for him so that he can remember that she exists. It's the weirdest thing. It's it's a little weird. And it's especially jarring because there's been no mention of her at all prior. And you're like he's talking to some woman on the phone and you're like, What is her what is his relationship to this person? Why like I don't understand. Well but then she immediately shows up, she's immediately (laughs) calling him her like his affectionate nickname. Right. Like the second time they meet, they like kiss on the lips and but then they get mad at each other and like break up again and it's like what what's up with this This woman feels like she's incredibly dependent on him and I just want her to be happy. (laughs) Well it's like (laughs) presumably Ten years ago, yeah. when she broke up with him, she was like, "We should, we should take a break. We should, you know, take a break from this thing." Yeah. Maybe the implication is that okay, we had our break. <laughs> now yeah. ten years later, I'm just gonna show up and it's like, okay, cool, we're good. We're we good did now. it. We yeah. took the break. Now we're chill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, and I think that there is a lot of really sharp, sort of satire in this in the sense of like the specific things that this like tv industry is doing you know and there's like the sort of like like easy jokes that are like oh we're gonna start targeting television towards cats and dogs now because that and it's like this goofy satire it's thing like, where it's oh, like because it's a money point and we can make money off of animals. right but there's this one joke where like he says like i have this thing lined up we're gonna take a priest and we're gonna baptize the entire zulu nation i was like wow that's a pretty cutting joke when it comes yeah. to like chasing a prophet and like yeah. gentrifying yeah. Africa. What a fucked up thing to say. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, that is a that is a sharper joke than I was expecting coming yeah. from this movie. Well, it's because they tried a line of him being an asshole without him being specifically being like a racist or a sexist or anything like that. Right. Which I feel like is a commentary they're trying weirdly trying to avoid. Right. Because in A Christmas Carol, Scrooge isn't a racist and a sexist. He's right. just like, I like money. and yeah. uh, I've never interacted with a black man or a woman, <laughs> so I can't be racist or sexist. Right. And yeah, it's that thing. And I think that this movie does sort of, in a, in a way, illustrate like that, you know, the reality of the world is that basically no person explicitly thinks of themselves as a racist or goes out of their way to, to mess with, you know, people of color, like, explicitly and maliciously. Yeah. Not that nobody does that. But, but the like, majority a of, very, yeah. very small percentage of people 
actually behave that way mm-hmm. premeditatedly. Um, but the reality is, is that for somebody like Bill Murray in this movie, he can be like a misanthrope and be like, oh, I just hate everybody. I'm yeah. mean to everybody. But the reality <laughs> is, is that his behaviors like that disproportionately affect people yeah. who are like people of color or women or, you know, any, any kind of thing you could be. <laughs> <laughs> you're purple or whatever. No matter if you're black, white, or purple. God, <laughs> But, like, it disproportionately, it has a disproportionate impact yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on those kinds of people. There's a turkey out the window. I know, Do you see it? Is there more than one? No, it's just one. Podcast audience. There's a turkey. There's a turkey on our neighbor's lawn. We still haven't bought any birds like we said that we were. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we found our website. Ugh, we gotta buy a turkey for the podcast. If we got a turkey mascot for the podcast, what would no, you name it, him? it has to be a chicken. You want to get a chicken? I want to get a chicken. I kind of like turkeys better. They're bigger. Yeah, uh, turkeys are monsters. Yeah, I, that's kind of cool about it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> can... I like that it would kill me without thinking about it. No, if you raised it as from a child. No, it would still want you dead. No, nah, you would bring it up and it would be about yay high. That's too high. <laughs> that is not the size of a turkey. Yes, it is. No, look at that one right out there. I was just delivering a pizza yesterday and there was a turkey outside someone's door and it came up to like rib level on That's me. That's terrifying. It's a big turkey. But it's like if it were friendly and you could like pet it. Have you seen that video of that turkey attacking that mailman? <laughs> no. Is it, it cool? It's No, it was on Funniest Home Videos. But oh. <laughs> it's kind of, it's equally funny and kind of terrifying. I think we should get, I should do an experiment. First of all, we should be the first people in history to find a turkey egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Because apparently we can't fucking figure it out was that the was that the beautiful day in the neighborhood episode of the podcast where we talked about turkeys if you want to know the whole joke about turkeys you can check back on that episode from a few months ago i was gonna do that bit as like a highlight but then i realized that that bit is like 10 minutes long (laughs) it's like a good chunk of that podcast (laughs) we talked about buying (laughs) like poultry eggs in the mail for like 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's fitting that we talk about The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood because one of the things we talked about in that episode, I was thinking about it when we watched this movie, because one of the ideas in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is that, like, the the main character who's not Mr. Rogers, his initial reaction to, like, interacting with somebody who is just, like, a pure good in the world, like, someone who's just great and doing good things for the community in a quiet and, like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Humble yeah. way. He's just like intimidated by it. He like doesn't buy it. He's just like, uh, there's something wrong. With there's you. something wrong with this. Like, yeah. and for and, like, not only does he do that, but then later he becomes like bitter about it. He's like, Oh, whatever. So you're so great. Okay. And not everybody could be as great as you stop rubbing it in our faces or whatever. Yeah. He's just like kind of doing him. And I think that this movie Scrooge sort of represents a lot of the same things. There's a certain bit where like, after he visits what's her name at the homeless shelter that that she works at yeah he gets like weirdly bitter and contemptuous about it like oh whatever you're trying to save the world or whatever he's like okay well i live in the real world and not everybody can be like that and like Like if i choose to save someone i save myself like (laughs) right Yeah. yeah um and then when she's in my fair lady she says that and he's like oh i said that yeah when when he he sees the flash forward to the future and he sees that his girlfriend took his advice, and now she sucks. Now she's a bitch. And, and Bill Murray's she's like, not oh, as no. Anymore. 
Although I do think that's kind of cool where it's like, oh, I've been criticizing her for being too, like, open-hearted and charitable because I think I'm cynical and it, like, intimidates me. Yeah. And But then, like, when I'm confronted with a reality of, like, a version of her that is, like, me, is mean, I suddenly realize that that's not actually what I want. Yeah. Which I, I think, in a slightly better execution, could be a much more powerful yeah. moment. If they used her character at all, mm-hmm. really... Well, and it's because talking about, like, unconscious racism and, like, the way that he treats her, because we get that flashback with his dad, where his dad's, like, it's it's, it's like a caricature of poverty, because <laughs> right. it always is. Yeah. But he's, like, because um, he's, like, he, like, it's a pound of meat for Christmas, because, you know, that <laughs> relatable poor people thing, where right. your dad gets you meat for Christmas. Where your dad's a butcher. Yeah, but... <laughs> He's like, but dad, I wanted a train for Christmas. He's like, well, if you want a train, like, get a job and buy a train with money. Like, not everything's hand. You can't just get free handouts. Yeah. Like, you kind of. It, like, kind of feels like a joke, but it's played, like, really, really straight. Yeah, <laughs> like, so you're like. Okay, I guess. Yeah. And then. <laughs> because he has, he literally has a line where it's like, he's just four years old, honey. And he's like, I'm tired of people making excuses. So what if you're four? And he, like, it feels like that was written to be a joke, but, like, in execution is just, like, shot straight down the middle. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess. But like, like fine. you see where he gets those kind of, like, hard ideals of, like, oh, you got work and you got to get money to, like, get things. That's what you got to do. And then, so when we see, like, the, the I almost said the ratchets, the cratchets. <laughs> What's his Bob name? Ratchet. Bob Cratchit. Is that his name? Yeah, Bob Cratchit. That's a, that's a trap. Uh, but it was only a trap because of modern slang anyway. But when we get to the Cratchits and they're like a happy family that doesn't like force that mentality, it's like, oh, right. does it really tell him? <laughs> yeah. I had a point and I totally lost it like halfway through talking. because you said Bob Ratchet. I told, yeah, I totally screwed myself over and I forgot what I was talking about. Um, the... <laughs> one of my favorite little bits in this movie yeah is that whenever bill murray like makes a drink for himself he, he makes he has tab and vodka yeah. which i think is so funny that just sounds so gross isn't tab just like coca-cola it's like weird i don't they don't make it anymore yeah because yeah but it was just like a famously gross soda that was like sort of like cherry flavored yeah cola that sounds like dr pepper yeah but it wasn't like dr pepper it was like more i don't know Weird. it's still for some reason i have a memory of how it tastes maybe i'm just synthesizing that based on what the can looks like maybe yeah but i i i feel like it was around long enough for me to have tried it as a kid maybe well, didn't or maybe have... i'm insane i can't remember I, tab feels like one of those things where they like released it for like a year for like right. a, like a, oh try tab yeah. tab 2020 or whatever tab soda because they did that right with now. crystal pepsi for yeah. a little bit and crystal pepsi was fun um i'm just looking up to see when they stopped doing it so okay so it was manufactured by coca-cola yeah which makes me think they must have had a comeback at some point yeah uh okay hold on this okay apparently this is a whole thing <laughs> sorry hold okay on. saccharin safety debate tab has been reformulated several times it was initially sweetened with a mixture of cyclamate and saccharin after the food and drug administration issued a ban on both of those things no after fda issued a ban on cyclamate they just used saccharin uh but then that was also but then the... that was then saccharin was linked to bladder cancer so I guess they banned 
like overuse of saccharin in sodas and they couldn't reformulate it to not use saccharin and still taste like tab. Oh. So they had to stop making it. Interesting. Because it was giving people bladder cancer. Yeah, because artificial sweeteners are kind of yeah. bad. That's hilarious. But, okay, but then it says, in the absence of further evidence that saccharin caused cancer, the substance was delisted in 2000 from the toxicology program's report on carcinogens, and it repealed the warning label requirements on products with saccharin. So it wasn't even a thing. Oh. So they were like, we couldn't actually link these two things. Right. So we could have tab again. But as soon as your soda gets the gets the this was giving people bladder cancer. Yeah, I don't think you come back from that. <laughs> and to come back ten years later and be like, we found out actually it wasn't really giving people bladder cancer. They just got bladder cancer for other reasons. It was linked, but maybe not a direct cause. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, cool. Okay, I guess. Um, but yeah, so how I, much tab do you think Bill Murray had to drink while making this movie? <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't real. Do you think he has bladder cancer? I'm sure he was. <laughs> Palmer gets bladder cancer and they're able to link it directly to how much tab he drank on the set of Scrooge. (laughs) What a horrible thing to happen. Um, I can't believe it. (laughs) This um, truly is the worst time, right? right? But I want to say that, like, there is something really special about this particular era of movies like this in, like, the really practical effects that they use. Oh, yeah. Like, all of these spirits look incredible. The only time there's any, like, video computer effects is that one time when... Death shows up on the TV screens. Uh, oh, no. I guess there is that, too. That didn't really stick out to me, though, because no. that felt good. Yeah. The When uh, Jacob Marley, Bob Marley, <laughs> picks him up and, like, pushes him through the window. Oh, and yeah. And it's like... Yeah. <laughs> he, like, phases through the window, which is, like, a cool gag, but, like, visually is, like... It just stands out too much. It doesn't quite hold but up. But then you have the practical of him, like, ripping the bone out of his arm. That's yeah. disgusting, it's and like, I hate it. So, yeah, so, like, Bob Cratchit shows up, and he's, like, this old, like, like golf CEO, and he's, like, this nasty, dry mummy with, like, a baseball hat and a polo shirt on. Yeah. And, like, shades. <laughs> it's really good. He kind of looks like Stan Lee a little bit. Yeah, he's like, if Stan Lee was a mummy. Yeah. And... Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, and so he just shows up, and there's this bit where, like, he grabs Bill Murray by the throat and just, like, pushes him through the window of the office, of his office in this skyscraper. Yeah. And he just, like, phases through the window, and he's, like, being held outside of the building, which is super cool. Yeah. And then, like, his arm, Bob Marley's <laughs> arm, arm, just, like, breaks off and he falls and then he, like, wakes up in bed or whatever. Yeah. But it's, like, this <laughs> practical prop yeah. that's just, like, a gnarly zombie arm <laughs> that yeah. Bill Murray just, like, grabs and, like, tears, tears apart. apart. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Um, and there's all this stuff with the, um, the... Ghost of Christmas Future at the end where he, like, opens up his cloak and there's, like, a rib cage with, like, all these, like, screaming demons inside. Yeah. That are just, like, a... Little puppets. Like, little puppets. Yeah, they're, like, Jim Henson puppets in this, like... It's like they had, like, a, a base of, like, flesh-colored whatever. Yeah. And then, like, out of that singular piece of flesh, they, like, fashion puppets. So it's, like, a sheet with, like, puppets coming out of it that, like, people are manipulating yeah. like all through like one object which i think is super cool yeah no the whole ghost of future present is really cool <laughs> the whole days of future past thing is <laughs> really, really cool 
No, because he's got like a TV for a face that yeah. like has a skull on it. And it's but, cool because like, Bill Murray works in television. And yeah, it's all about TV. And like the face like keeps changing and like superimposing like people's like faces yeah. like on top of skulls and stuff. Right. And it's like glitching out. It's super cool. And it's like no matter how much we criticize like the writing of this movie, like the production of it is kind of unimpeachable. Oh yeah, it's really good. Like. And the Ghost of Christmas Future rules so hard. Yeah. Because um, there's all this stuff in the movie about him being a TV executive and all he cares about is television and he grew up just watching television. He doesn't have any memories. Yeah. Which is a weird part of it. I don't know why that's part yeah. of it. Um, and there's like weird theming in the movie about people watching television too much. Yeah. Which is one of those things I've always had a weird relationship with. Well, it's from the 80s. It's like, how can you make a movie about how you shouldn't watch TV? Right. It's like, you can't. And it's, like, mostly about, like, corporate greed and the way that, like, capitalism affects everyday, like, middle-class Americans and how the system's kind of but fucked up. But it's, like, up. weirdly blaming the consumer instead yeah. of the creator. And, and, like, but, yeah, and then there's also a part of it's, like, also... Kids these days watch TV too much. You should give a sandwich to a homeless man instead yeah. of watching TV. Right. And it's like, yeah, but that's not... It's like the it's like the, the subtextual theming is all about one thing, but the textual theming is about something completely different. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's because you can't call out top executives and stuff yeah. because they're the ones with the power. Yeah, but it, like it's all about like... I mean, like I said, the, the subtextual theming is all about, like, the system and, like, how people, how people, how, like, greed, like, punishes everybody. Mm-hmm. But then, like, in the actual text, the moral is, like, you shouldn't be mean. You should be more caring and give to the homeless. Because if you don't. And don't watch TV so much. Because if you don't, you'll go to hell. Right. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's, I didn't know that we were talking about that. <laughs> right. And, I thought we were having a different conversation. Yeah, and that whole like it's so weird how like our attitude about television has changed, because the sort of it's weird because like the public attitude towards television for so long was just that like it'll rot your brain, right? Yeah. And because the reality of it was that it was either like variety shows that you just like watch to kill time kind of yeah. or it was like a half hour sitcom where it's like the Brady Bunch and it's like every week they get up to a hijink yeah. and like you know and that's kind of all that it was and not that it wasn't valuable but it wasn't particularly enriching you yeah, know Yeah it wasn't very it wasn't very deep Yeah which so it's like I kind of get it on that level yeah i do also appreciate that it was still an artistry and a craft that many people dedicated their lives to and there is inherently value in that but yeah at the same time it is kind of valid to say like hey this is kind of nothing and people kind of just sit around and watch this i don't know it's a weird thing but then like you hit like the early 90s late 80s and you start getting like miami vice and twin peaks and all of a sudden things start to be like good good and (laughs) like people start taking tv kind of seriously and we kind of shift and like now like now tv is like prestigious yeah no (laughs) totally like now like tv weirdly has a better reputation than movies do yeah um and it's just it's like, the, the dominant, like, thinking man's, like, cultural objects now are, like, HBO miniseries, right? Yeah. It's, like, things that you watch on TV. It's Watchmen. It's Game of Thrones. It's Breaking Bad. It's Mad Men, you know? Yeah. Um, I know those are, like, from sort of different eras, but... You know. You know, in, in the, like, in the quote-unquote modern from, like, 2005 to present, it's, like, yeah. so different and so much more... And in a time when movies, at least, like, big blockbuster movies are becoming more and more, 
sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Sequential. Lowest common denominator. Yeah. <laughs> like written by committee, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that those are always bad, but like that's just the reality of it. It's like yeah. TV is the place where it really feels like people are getting stories told that they yeah. want to tell. I always think it's so weird when people don't see the art and like art forms. Like for a long right. time it's like, oh, TV isn't art. It's just TV. <laughs> it's just like dribble. And it's just like, but that took writers and actors and costumes and sets it's like i don't know right. how you could like look at that and be like that's not art that's just tv it's like that doesn't <laughs> right. make any you're just like blatantly ignoring that somebody right. put effort into the, this the craft involved yeah exactly and um, but yeah and it's just it's i don't know it's fascinating to me mm-hmm. and the thing about i feel like youtube is like now what tv used to be yeah. Like, YouTube is where people go if it's like, oh, I want to watch something for 20 minutes and take a yeah. break from the world or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I think is the same kind of thing, you know? Because it's like, of course there's artistry and craft involved in, like, a lot of the things that people are doing on YouTube. Like, yeah. Especially since we've been sort of dipping our toe into that world. And it's also not to say that there aren't people who are doing really valuable stuff on YouTube as a format. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you but know, like if how you're... society seems to treat it. Right. Yeah. And like, if you're, if you're doing like let's plays on YouTube, it's like, you know, there's not a lot of like genuine artistic value in that. Mm-hmm. It is, it, I, artistic value is not the right word. Um, production? Say again. No, there's lots of production. <laughs> I, I guess what I just mean to say is that it's not something that sticks with you. Its purpose is to be light and to distract, you yeah. know? And that is valuable, but it is not something that is going to... You don't tell a story through a Let's Play. Yeah. And I think, you know, and as much as I do appreciate that kind of content that I do engage with pretty regularly, there are some times when I find myself just being like, I've been sitting around... Like, there have been plenty of times where I've, like, deleted YouTube off my phone because it's like... Oh, yeah. I've been spending too much time watching Game Grumps. Yeah. (laughs) Like, whenever I sit down, I just, like, put on these videos and it's just like taking up so much of my I'm like addicted to it you know and sometimes I just have to purge myself and take a break you know and that's sort of the same way that I feel about TV of the 70s and 80s if that makes sense yeah well I feel like YouTube and like Let's Plays and like podcasts all fall into the same category of like it's like easy human interaction is basically what it is it's like i can listen to somebody else like sit down and have a conversation and i get that like fulfillment of like having somebody else have a conversation yeah and that's really nice and sometimes it's really funny like with game crops it's like danny and aaron are just gonna talk for an hour and i get to just listen Listen. and be passive in a conversation (laughs) and like that's just really nice sometimes right even if it's not it's not as deep right. as anything with, like, a plot or a story yeah. production. And it's, like, what it is... I've found a better way to verbalize this. Yeah. it Stuff like that is just... I am not... I am in no way ever better or happier coming out the other end of it. Right? I'm happier. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm never... It is never genuinely enriching. It just fills time. And sometimes you need to fill time, and there are there is a craft to being able to successfully fill time, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that when I become too invested in things that are just meant to fill time, I fill too much time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and there are also, 
like more there's art that I can engage with that I feel like will enrich me and make me mm-hmm. smarter or better or you know different in some way because of it rather than just spanning a gap between one o'clock and two o'clock. Yeah. Well, it's like we say this about movies all the time. It's like you can you can like Skittles and also like steak. It's not yeah. to say that there's. Not to shit all over every left player on the planet, because right. that's not what I want to do. Right. Because, again, it is content that I enjoy, and I know how much production and time and effort goes into it. Right. But, yeah, it's just, it's different, and it's interesting how people treat the media that they consume. Right. I want to bring up, uh, in this movie, the little boy who is Tiny Tim. He's great. He's so good. We've been referring to all these characters as their names in A Christmas Carol, but they're not really them. They have their own name and personality or whatever. Yeah, it's Calvin. But it is, it's Alfred Woodard's son who is Tiny Tim. Yeah. And he's not crippled, he's just like mute. Yeah. I guess I probably shouldn't say crippled, but just to use the 19th century terminology. Use the word that they say in the book that they wrote in the year 1800. Right, um... But he's, like, he's just mute. Or, no, he's traumatized because yeah. his dad died, so he hasn't spoken in in years. And that's, like, his thing. Yeah. Um. And so instead of the threat being he's going to die of tuberculosis or whatever, the threat yeah. is that he's going to get thrown in a padded cell for not talking, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. There's weird implications because he's also <laughs> a black kid. Right. And so it's in the future, so it's, like, this black, like, 13-year-old kid just, like, in a padded cell. Yeah. And it's, like, we've only known him to not talk. So it's, like, <laughs> right. wow, this feels really loaded and I'm yeah. uncomfortable with it. It's a weird thing. But, like, this kid is so perfect. Yeah. It's just, like looking at something sadly yeah. <laughs> and like every time he came on screen i just cracked up because there's something so sincere about him he's so good at it it's like, like it's like daniel radcliffe in harry potter and the sorcerer's stone yeah, where well, he's just like, like little and pitiful well at the end of the movie when he says god bless us everyone he like says it like all like raspy and like looking up <laughs> at bill murray and it's like oh this kid's nailing it right <laughs> That kid's so funny. I want to adopt that kid. Well, he's probably, like, the same age as you. Yeah, he's, we're probably... No, he's older than me, for sure. <laughs> Hold on, let me... It's I want to like look up this kid. <laughs> well, his picture on IMDb is just a screenshot yeah, of him yeah. from this movie, so I guess he never never quite took off. Yeah. He's not the... What's another kid? He's not the Elijah Wood of his time. So, Scrooge. Overall, good flick. Good flick. Not great, but good. But good. Well, and it's... It's like, we're gonna make a Christmas Carol, but just, like, put a a modern spin on it for, like, the next generation. And it's like, that's... They they do enough to make it, like, good and make it their own. But, like, it's still... At the end of the day, it's still just... You did another version of a Christmas Carol. A story that we all have had memorized since we were, like, 12. And it's fascinating that it does have, like, a... Like, a really intense devotion to the original story. Yeah. You know, like, even the... They even included the scene where he drops in on his... I guess it's his nephew in the original story. They make it his brother. Yeah. But his family member who's hanging out with his friends, and they're playing a game. And he's watching, but he can't interact with them. But he knows what the... He's trying to... He gets wrapped up in the game anyway. It's like, was that, like, a part of the story that like needed to be one-to-one adapted like yeah. i feel like there's there's a way to like m- 
sort of tailor this to the specifics of your scenario a little bit better than just to like yeah. hit every beat of the original story. I mean, ranking a Christmas Carol movie, so Muppets Christmas Carol is still the best one. <laughs> what about the Jim Carrey Robert Zemeckis one? I have not seen it. Okay. It does not look that different than just the original <laughs> story. Right. I have to say. Um for a while there was gonna be a Christmas Carol that somebody was going to direct and Michael B. Jordan was going to be Bob Cratchit. Is that still happening? Oh. Yeah, A Christmas Carol seems like one of those kind of stories that people, like, every, like, five years are going to try to make a really edgy version of it. Right. Where it's like, oh, it's like a dark fantasy. Because we had that weird time where everybody was taking classic fairy tales and making them as edgy as possible. Right. So I feel like that's just a symptom of that. Um... It must have fallen through. That was something at original. It was like what it was going to be one of those things they were going to make it a musical and it was going to be an all black cast. Yeah. Um, but it must have. I'm not seeing it's anything about it now. Not have happened. When I Google Christmas Carol 2020 or 2021, the only thing that comes up is Marley, which is an original. Oh wait, maybe this is it. It says an original movie musical tells the tale of Charles Dickens' classic A Christmas Carol from the perspective of Jacob Marley. Which is weird. That's weird. Um, Does that have an all-black cast? I don't know. Did I imagine that part of it? Uh, it doesn't have anything listed as a... Apparently Bill Condon was going to direct it. The guy who did, like, the live-action Beauty and the Beast and the last two Twilight movies. Mm-mm. So uh, maybe I'm not... Maybe I was too excited about that. Do we I was trust... more excited about that than I should have been. Do we trust that man to make movies? That's one of those guys who's had, like, a really weird career. Yeah. Uh, hold on. He's one of those guys that it's, like, you just want to, like, read the filmography to somebody because it's so weird and just hearing about it is surprising. Hold on. Okay. Bill Condon gets to start with uh, a movie called Kinsey, who is about that guy who invented the Kinsey scale of sexuality. Yeah. Like, a weird little indie biopic that he made. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, Then he makes Dream Girls. Then he makes Breaking Dawn Part 1, Part 2. All right, all right. Then he makes whatever that weird movie was where Benedict Cumberbatch had the blonde hair. I don't remember what that was about. That's right. And then from there, he goes on to do the Ian McKellen Sherlock Holmes movie. You remember that? That that nobody saw. (laughs) Called Mr. Holmes. Nobody saw that film. And then he made the live-action Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Like, he just had such a weird, like, eclectic career. What a weird guy. Um... And, like, we gotta watch the Twilight movies eventually. Oh, you're right. I know they just did that whole thing on the Cosmonaut Variety Hour, and we have, like, a tenuous connection to them, so it might seem weird if we suddenly started doing that after they had great success. How many how many times have Danny Gonzalez and Drew Gooden done the same exact video? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I've only seen the first one, and the first one is so whack. Weird. My uh, favorite is that car that doesn't have a driver in it. <laughs> right. Um, Okay. And how the whole movie's green. <laughs> the like, original, like it's the Matrix. Right. Okay, so the original Twilight was directed by Christine Hardwick, who is basically, like, weird. Like, Twilight is, like, one of the most successful movies of the last decade. Yeah. And she's weirdly, like, never made yeah. a good movie before or since. Yeah. <laughs> she made, the uh, the next most popular thing she made is she went on to do a Red Riding Hood movie. Oh my god, that looks like the CW did Red <laughs> yeah. Riding Hood. That looks like shit. And basically all that I've heard is that, like, politically, very whack. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of weird 
consent-based stuff yeah, that people are not make, comfortable you with. You can't make a modern, edgy Red Riding Hood without talking about rape the whole yeah. entire time. And if you're not conscientious about it, it just comes off as whack. Is rape? And apparently Catherine Hardwick did not do a good job, oh, wow. is what I've heard. Surprising. <laughs> the, the mind behind Twilight wasn't capable of dealing with complex women's issues. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, every Twilight movie has a different director. Yeah. Except for... they're all bad and they keep trying to hire someone who's good. <laughs> right. Except for Bill Condon did the two Breaking Dawns. Yeah. You want to know who directed the second one? Who? Chris White's director of American Pie. <laughs> oh, no! He's another guy with a weird career, though. Yeah. Because he started off with American Pie, but then he also went on to, like, do, like, a... The Golden Compass movie. Oh, oh. He, like, weirdly has this weird progression where he goes from, like, American Pie to a weird sort of indie dramedy called About a Boy. Yeah. To, like, this, like, hard-boiled movie about, like, impoverished kids called A Better Life. Yeah. And then from there he leverages it into the Golden Compass movie. <laughs> Remember that one? The one that how Christianity is teaching your kids to be robots or right. whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then from Golden Compass he goes to New Moon and then from there, remember Operation Finale? No. Where it's the one about they're trying to get the guy, whoever the, like, war criminal Nazi was who, like, hunted down Jews. It was about them, like, trying to prosecute him after World War Two. Yeah. That was his most recent movie. Oh. He's had, like, a weird, That's crazy weird. career. weird. Yeah. Um, anyway. Chris White's interesting guy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, everybody who's directed a Twilight movie has a weird career. It's a weird per- It's just weird. Why wouldn't you get, like, well-known, good directors t- to direct a Twilight movie? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Catherine Hardwick was sort of a reasonable choice for the first one. Yeah. It's that classic, like, grab an indie director and, like, yeah. get her to do a big budget project. And she had done, like, an indie movie about, like female friendship or something or like some anonymous thing that like i'm sure some people saw and said was good and then yeah she built her way up but then like after that it was just like it was almost exclusively like weird journeyman directors who like just kind of do whatever do whatever yeah let me see what the last one is eclipse uh david slade oh see that one actually kind of makes sense david slade is the guy who directed hard candy um it was the that movie where Ellen Page is like this fourteen year old who like catfishes a pedophile and like brutalizes him. Oh, that's right. Uh, you know my uh, producing professor was like the producer on that movie. Oh wow! He like made that movie happen. That's cool. And apparently, though, to hear him tell it, he like single handedly like discovered Ellen Page. <laughs> he like saw her audition tape and was like, Ellen Page is the one, and that was like her like first role. Yeah. And then she went on to be in X Men and Inception or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that's interesting. It anyway. Is interesting. Um. Oh, can I just mention one more thing I wanted to say? Mm-hmm. Um, the score for this movie is really interesting because it is Danny Elfman. Um. Which, who is a guy, especially when he's making creepy Christmas movies, yeah. has, like, a very distinct style and a really specific thing that you want it to sort of be, you know? Yeah. But I think it's really interesting. The movie starts off with that huge, like, it's, like, the most Danny Elfman score. Oh, yeah. It's, like, Christmas bells and a choir being, like, ha, 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 Yeah, and it's got, like, that, it's got like the saxophone behind it. Yeah, it's, yeah. like, the most Danny Elfman. But then, like, as you pull in, you're realizing that he's kind of scoring... The, like, goofy $6 million man Christmas special. Yeah. Like, with... It's almost like 
<laughs> Danny Elfman, like, parodying himself. Yeah. Like, with his, like, insane over-the-top Christmas score. Yeah. And that, also, that intro bit is just great, where it's, like, it pans in and Santa Claus is like, oh no, the North Pole is under attack! And then... He just pulls out machine gun. Like, Lee Majors, the six million dollar man. Yeah. I just think that's really good. That's but really then, good. like, the rest of the movie, Danny Elfman's score is, like, really reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty good, and, like unobtrusive and like just serves the movie for the most part yeah but it's so interesting that's like they got danny elfman and they just really used him to do that like the ridiculous stuff yeah Yeah. like absolutely danny elfman thing first before they just sort of let him like you know be a regular composer (laughs) right for the rest of the movie so adeline oh wait before we go oh okay um, check out our YouTube channel we've got plenty of stuff going on there it's no nerds allowed you can follow us on twitter at no nerds pod Sorry, I burped in the middle He's of that. Crying. That should be more distinguishable at no nerds pod. And you can email us at no nerds pod at gmail.com. If you want to, for example, talk about a movie that we're about to cover, we always say in the descriptions of our videos, uh, what mo- or on the podcast too, what movie we're going to cover next week. So you can always uh, check in. And if there's something you want us to read on the air, mm-hmm. send it into us and we'll absolutely do that. Same thing with iTunes reviews. Mm-hmm. You guys. Right, I You think this bit is so funny, and I don't think it's that funny. I'm just—it's not a bit. <laughs> I just—I need people to. I want people to write iTunes reviews. It would yeah. be very helpful for us. Well, and it's because of the quarantine. If you want to like recommend movies to us, I think that would be fun, also. Yeah. But if you want to recommend like other content too, like we've talked about, like dipping our toes in like TV, where we might like watch a season of TV, yeah. or a few episodes of TV, uh, and then know. do a podcast on it. I don't know about that. Well, if you want us to do that, then do that. Okay, yeah, you if can you tell us that. If you just want to talk about nerdy content, <laughs> we can just talk about nerdy content. Uh, anyway, that's all. Okay, Adeline, do you want to hear a five-star review of Scrooge? I do very much. Uh, this person says, Frank Cross's monologue at the end is a better Christmas message than Linus reciting scripture. There, I said it. My name is Adeline McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jackson McMurray. <laughs> Not to be, uh... A dirty Christian or whatever, but <laughs> it was, Linus at least had a coherent delivery. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Cross is more like at the end of this movie. It's just like, I'm good now. And I'm they, good now. And you can have the miracle and the miracles every day and you can have it. And I want it and I can have it now that I know that I, I can have it. We, every day we can have it and just make a sandwich <laughs> and the miracle. You can have the miracle and I have the miracle. And the sandwich can have the miracle because I have it. I'm, I learned that you can have the miracle. That's just like the whole thing. That's really good. <laughs>